If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is brought to you by Mountain Tough and Yeti. A lot of the tactics I talk about here require you to be in top physical shape. So I partnered with Mountain Tough to help get you ready for the mountain. With their science-based hunter-specific training app, you'll get in shape and mentally tough, able to tackle any hunt. Because we really believe this will help you be more successful, as a listener to this podcast, we're giving you six free weeks to get you started. Just use code LIVEWILD. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine and has some of the best products out there, including their just-released 15 and 60 Go Boxes. These are durable, stackable, dust and watertight storage that's great for organizing and transporting all your favorite gear to and from the field. I actually got to test some of these this past season and put them through the paces traveling from hunt to hunt. It kept my stuff accessible and protected. Practical in so many situations, from raft trips down the river to elk camp in the Rockies, it's nearly indestructible, go anywhere storage that's now available. Welcome back to the Live Wild Podcast, everyone. You know, when it comes to a mountain hunt, especially a backcountry hunt, every advantage helps. And one thing you don't want to happen is to have invested so much time, money, planning, everything else, be on the hunt, be fit, and then just completely crash, where your body just runs out of juice, or maybe even what runners call bonking. At some point, your body's just glycogen stores are depleted, and your body starts to fatigue, burn fat, and you can't go on. Properly feeling your body is one of the most important things I've learned over the years in pushing myself to my limits. I've found ways that work, and I've focused on making sure that crash doesn't happen mid-hunt. I really focus on the importance of recovery as well. So this week, I'm joined by longtime friends Chris Denham of Western Hunter and Kevin Guillen of Wilderness Athlete. They're going to share the story of testing their body on the rim to rim to rim. We're going to dive in and cover some tips and tactics to keep your body motor running when we push through a grueling hunt. So let's jump in and head to the Grand Canyon where their annual rim to rim to rim teaches them how to fuel up and push on. Chris and Kevin, well, thank you guys so much for jumping on the podcast with me. I really wanted to talk to you guys because I know there's something that you do that I've been very interested in. And I've heard this, you know, every time we get together, I I get to hear the stories of your rim to rim to rim and just a little background on what that is. Well, actually, why don't you guys describe what it is? And then I'd love to hear kind of what you go through during this annual rim to rim to rim trip and journey. Uh, yeah, well, in a nutshell, it's a, it's a bunch of people that I think, I think most people would say were a little stupid and a little crazy. Um, but you know, pretty adventurous trip you take that starts at the South end of the Grand Canyon. Uh, we hike all the way to the North end of the Grand Canyon and then back. 
Um, we try to get it done in, in about 24 hours or under is the goal, just so just so you can say it was a day hike. Um, but it's it's so much more than just that, you know. I mean, it's it's like the longest 24 hours or less that you've you've ever spent. I mean, the day when you look back at it in the rearview mirror, it's like there's so many highs and lows, like just continual highs and lows. So it's it's a pretty crazy hike with a ton of elevation gain. I mean, you're in the middle of the Grand Canyon uh, for the all day long, and it's it's pretty breathtaking. So it's yeah, I guess that kind of sums up the experience a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's such a. We start at midnight, so we're we're. I mean, it's dark, it's cold. It's been some years. It's been raining. Some years it's snowing. Some years the wind's blowing. You're freezing. I mean, it it can be in the twenties, and you start dropping off, and it just every like every step down you take, it gets a little bit warmer. And then sometime you hit the bottom of the canyon and the sun starts coming up and you're in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And you look around and you're like, holy cow, we're in the bottom of the Grand Canyon, you know, getting ready to go back up the other side. Yeah, it's, uh, what, 47 and a half miles? If 47 and a half is what the Park Service calculates on their map, but like anybody with a GPS system that ever records it, you always get closer to like 50, closer 51 to 50. miles. You know, because you got little zigzags and you putts around at little rest stops. So right. it, it always ends up being around 50. And about 12,500 vertical feet down and 12,500 vertical feet up. Somewhere wow. in that neighborhood too. So it's a, it's a lot of vertical in one day and a lot of miles in, in one day. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of vertical. And then the thing about it too is when you're in the bottom you have, there's no option. You have to go up. Right. You have to go up the one side and then you drop back down and you have to make it up the other side. If something, if you fatigue in the bottom, you're, you're in big trouble. Yeah, that, that's part of it. I mean, when that time of year that we do it, which is always like near the end of April, the North Rim is closed. So there's no road access. There's no, there's no like exit button when you get to the North. If So when you're halfway done and you said, that's all I got, I'm done. I mean, still, the only way back is on your own two feet or a very expensive helicopter ride to get you out. Um, and so I guess, you know, that's kind of one of the other whole purposes to the thing is it's just an exercise and ultimate, ultimate like, you know, self-reliance is just, you know, you've got nothing but yourself to get you out yeah. uh, and what you got in your bag. So, And I mean, that's very similar to, I mean, as you guys know, a lot of the hunts that we do. Uh, for those of you not familiar with Chris, Chris does the Western Hunter magazine, um, the Western Hunter TV show. I've known Chris for a very long time. I don't even know when we first met. Uh, it, a show, it might have been like, junior high. As yeah, far as I, I think so. It was a I long mean, time ago. It's some convention when it was in the bottom of the El Dorado or something, Mule Deer yeah. Foundation, <laughs> you know. And like, um, you know, we, uh, as you guys know, you, you go on these hunts and a lot of people, you, you spend your entire year planning and preparing, but they haven't really tested themselves in something like this. A lot of people that are just getting into it, as, as, those of us that have done it for a long time, we know, man, there, there's those points in the hunt where you start to break down, but testing yourself in a day like this, where you go, we're going to go do a big day. This would be a very big day on a hunt. I don't, I don't think I've ever had to do anything similar to that 50 <laughs> miles and 12,000 feet of elevation gain in 24 hours on a hunt. You just aren't going to have to do that. But when you put yourself in those situations, I'm a big fan of, of testing the limits. And that's one thing that really intrigues me about this trip, especially doing it during the off season of saying, okay, you can really fine tune the motor per se of this is my body. This is how it reacts. And the one thing that's always fascinated me 
is when I hit that kind of gas out empty and how I refuel, recover, and what happens to my body during those processes. And I think when you hit those maximums, you can really feel the effects of the things that work and the things that don't. And over the years, I have kind of found the things that really work for me and I swear by them and through guiding, you know, as a, as a guide, Chris, you know this, you've, you've guided plenty as well. You know that most of the hunters that show up probably aren't in the same shape as the guy taking them out or maybe not as prepared as the guy taking them out. And how many times is it you're on a once in a lifetime type hunt and these guys are just like, and I'm ready to quit. And it's like, okay, now I've developed ways that I figured to keep people moving, to keep people going, to keep them from breaking down. And that's one thing that fascinates me about doing it in this, this just testing your body, testing your limits. And then you can really feel the effects of the things that work and the things that don't. I would, I would love to hear kind of on this trip, the rim to rim, what are the, some of the things like the highs and lows, the points that you hit throughout it? What, you, what does your body go through? And then what are some of the things that you do along the way to kind of prepare ahead of time as well as like on the trip itself, what are you doing? It, I mean, Kevin and I will both have different answers to some degree. And if there's like 15 or 20 guys that have done this with us almost every year, and if you had all 15 to 20 guys here, they'd probably have a dis- different answer, especially if they've done it more than four or five times. And I, and I think that's, that's, that's almost the most critical part to any answer we might give you is the human body, everybody's body is just a little bit different. Your, your, not just your physical makeup, but your mental makeup might be a little different. Some people are totally good like with an empty stomach, they don't feel like they're they're gassing out. Some people feel like they they've got to keep fuel in the machine, and that's that's just how their body works. And I think especially for Americans, you know, you hear there's the the you know the Asian diet, the Mediterranean diet, all these diets, and they all come from these populations that are almost completely. Uh, that's the right term. Where well, there's not there's no there's no intermingling. You know, like yeah, they're very Japan, isolated. It's like very isolated. Japan's like 99.8% genetically pure. You know, Greek, Greece, you know, the Mediterranean diet. Well, it's a bunch of people that were a hundred, their heritage for thousands of years is Greece. Well, here in the United States, we are the very definition of a butts. You know, we've got our blood and our, our body types and everything are so intertwined. I mean, like, Coach P, Mark Paulson, one of the founders of Wilderness Athlete. I mean, that dude's a Viking. I mean, he's, he, he and I aren't even vaguely similar in our genetic makeup and what makes us tick and, you know, physically and dietarily for sure. So no matter what we say, it's like this, that's the beauty of the Grand Canyon is it in what we do, any test that takes you to a, a limit beyond what you've ever experienced is you start to learn how your body reacts. And that's just really important for people to understand whether you're going on a backcountry hunt or if you're going into, you know, going to hike the rim to rim to rim, is the whole thing is a learning process to figure out what works for you. And, uh, but I'll let Kev answer what's kind of like his, his routine for oh. the canyon. Oh, it changes every year a little bit. And I think that's kind of the uh, benefit to doing it year after year is the things you learn and then get to go back and adjust. Um, and it, the whole thing is really like a, I think a proving ground for what you're capable of and how to take care of yourself. And that's really all it is. And that for me personally, and I know a lot of the guys that we do this with are hunters, but most uh, some of them aren't like a lot of the guys aren't. Um, I think there's no better way for me to 
to gain confidence in myself and the things that I can accomplish and then also the holes I can get myself out of, then then taking yourself there. Like, I mean, truly believing and feeling like I don't know if I have 10 more steps in me, but figuring out how to do that and then some and then some and keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, you know, and I guess in general, the... the um, the approach for me is every year a little different because I, I, I get to the, I guess right about now, we're about February where we got to really start thinking seriously about training. Um, and every year I get a bit nervous like I am right now. Like I feel like I'm not in as good a shape as I was last year. Um, and you have to you hold your feet to the fire and get your ass in shape and start taking care of your diet and your routines that kind of know that you know what works. Um, that's kind of one of the bigger purposes is that's why we put it here in April in the quote unquote off season is so you don't let yourself fall too far out of shape because you know, that, that big thing is coming up, um, and you're, you're going to pay the price one way or the other. So, you know, I think one of the biggest like learning experiences from the whole thing, uh, and like, this is maybe a roundabout way of answering the question is, uh, that like every year I learn something and I don't, I've done it six times now. And I haven't even come close to figuring it out, like figuring out like the perfect like recipe. Um, but every other hunting trip, every other, you know, physical event that I've done uh, since the first time I did the Grand Canyon has been demonstrably easier because of the confidence, the way I knew how to take care of myself, the way I knew how to take care of my feet, uh, what I knew, you know, about what to eat and when and how was re- has really just been a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd agree. It's like I my the 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 actual food we take in the canyon, uh, it's pretty comical because it's it's like the thing we all do. We all have our stuff laid out all over the bed as far as what you're gonna pack. Because we start at midnight, so in, that afternoon, and we always have a meeting with everybody about five o'clock. And first of all, our other our one rule is once you drop off the edge of the south rim, you take that first step off the south rim, you're on your own. Nobody's going to rescue you. Not even the guy standing next to you. He can't carry you out. You know, yeah. it ain't going to happen. So you're on your own. And we want everybody to go in with that attitude is like this is on me. You know, this is not this is not a group effort. This is, you know, me against, you know, me against the Grand Canyon if uh, not that it's a it's a battle. But uh every year I feel like it's evolved just a little bit and I feel like I've, you know, I've started to learn some things. I feel like Certainly, I was over, I was drinking too much water for a long time, uh, so I was getting a little hyponatremic, and which means I was drinking essentially too much water, and my salt levels were getting diluted, and, and which starts to cause nausea because your body can't handle the food you're sticking in there, and your body wants to just get rid of the few, the food, anything in your gut. So that's when guys start puking. Uh, I'm not a puker, so it doesn't really affect me. So I just get nauseated. But I finally figured out that I gotta not eat quite so much because your body can the current statistics say your body can can uh basically break down about 200 calories an hour if you try to replace what you're burning you're gonna have you're eating like 400 calories an hour because it's up to 600 i mean you're you're gonna burn six to seven thousand calories yeah but you can you can literally in those 24 hours the most you really your body really can assimilate is about 4800 if you stagger your food 
perfectly. You know, if you just all of a sudden dump 600 calories in instantaneously, now your body's got those extra calories trying to figure out, well, let's just puke it up because I don't know <laughs> what the hell to do with it. Right. Your legs your legs need the blood right now, not your gut. Um, so it's fine-tuning all of those things. You know, we've definitely learned that over the years too is just it's it, it, that you're going to get into that calorie deficit and being okay with being in that calorie deficit. Uh, anybody's been on, you know, in probably many of these guys out there have been in those days where you get to that phase, or if you've been on a sheep hunt for 10 days, you know, you lose weight and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. You literally cannot eat enough. You know, that you just take days off. But, uh, uh, again, you know, learning what what products your body can can break down and how much to eat at the same time, and then how much water to be drinking versus, you know, obviously we're using a lot of wilderness athlete products, hydrate recover, a uh, little bit of caffeine here and there with energy and focus. But it's it's such it's just a learning process. I'm going to be this will be if I finish it this year. This will be the tenth time that I finished it. Wow. So. And I still feel like I feel like I got a good plan going into this year, but it's different than it was in year nine. Even that's awesome. It's, it's evolving. Well, I think you know you touched on one thing that uh, really intrigues me as well, and I think it's a question that a lot of hunters ask: is like, how do I feel my body, and and where do I start? Especially, there's a lot of guys that go, "Hey, man, maybe I've gone on a backcountry hunt, but I'm not used to it. I'm not familiar with it. How do I recover? How do I? It's really easy to do that when you're maybe even on a, a hunt where you're just like based out of whatever and you can just cram a bunch of food and get a good night rest and you know you can take it easy or whatever but what about these hunts where you have to kind of push yourself or man you've got your maybe your first elk hunt maybe multiple elk hunts it's a seven day hunt and it's a tough hunt you're having trouble finding the elk the the easiest way to find success in my opinion is to just keep after it right we all know like that persistence kills but at some point your body wants to break down and you, like you said, you're at a deficit, how to recover. And then how do we properly fuel ourselves? So I think let's jump in and, and kind of give everybody listening some really actionable tips of like, these are the things that we look for. These are the things that we've tested. These are the things that we know. I know I have some personal anecdotes about it and uh, really dive into the things that we can do while we're in the field on the hunt, as well as before and after the hunt. Uh, to get our bodies to keep going. So yeah, kind of just jumping into the tips and tactics section. Um, if you guys are good with that, um, yeah, yeah, we yeah. can kind of dive into like the things that things we think about, um, all that good stuff. I'll kind yeah. of start it off here. So, um, you know, I think that the rim to rim is a is a really good example of pushing your body to the limits. And Chris, before we started recording, we were kind of talking like how long, I mean, I've been paying attention to this kind of stuff, at least how to fuel my body properly for hunts. And I think it's one, like one of the things that I kind of hold as a skill that maybe I don't even talk about enough. And it's more of like, I kind of keep it as a, a little secret weapon. When I'm on a hunt uh, or I, when I first started guiding, um, and hunting for myself, I really, really pushed myself. And there really wasn't, as you guys know, there, I mean, this is probably, we're talking maybe almost 18, 20 years ago. There really wasn't good ways to, to do that. I mean, I remember like backpacking food wasn't great. It was like things that you could 
put together. Um, I remember when I was probably 18 or 19, one of my first, oh, no, I was probably 16, one of my first backpacking hunts with my dad. We went for five days and I carried a bottle of Gatorade for every day. <laughs> How many guys have done that? Like, I mean, you, I, yeah. is like, yeah. there wasn't powdered drink mixes. There wasn't a lot of, especially in the world of hunting, like people kind of wrote it off and in the world of hunting, backpacking, backcountry kind of stuff. It was like, you're carrying, and this is in the Nevada desert. So you're carrying all your water plus five extra bottles. I mean, my pack was loaded to the brim of just liquid. It's just so dumb. You know, you're sitting by a, <laughs> a lake going, okay. And, and actually I thought like that helped me because, you know, there was the other option was uh, electrolyte tablets at the time. And, you know, and so over the years I've kind of developed a way of fueling my body. Um, one of them being front loading or, or taking in a lot of calories early as opposed to trying to catch up, um, as you kind of mentioned. Another one is, uh, you know, staying hydrated. And then like you, you said as well, electrolytes and, and fueling my body that way. Um, and we like going back to, we were talking and it was like, when I remember it was probably 15 years ago, I started using wilderness athlete products and it was at where did, probably, I would guess it was probably either elk foundation or mule deer foundation show in Reno. And I saw you guys there and I was like, this is genius. Like, this is going to be my game changer. And I started carrying it with me. When I was guiding, I mean, I was just like, I'm the type of person that goes to the max and then I, my body would be so just done. And then I would take something and say, like, your legs are cramping. It's like, okay, now is the time to use it and drink it. And, like, you could feel the – when you can feel the – you can really feel the effects of things when you hit that max. And you're like, okay, this yeah. actually works. This works for me. And then through guiding, I don't know how many people have been like, okay, here's what we do. We use – we rehydrate. We do all these things this is how we're going to keep going. And it's saved a lot of my clients being able to push on. Um, but I know you guys deal with it in, in a much greater level than I do. You understand what's behind it. You understand uh, a lot more like my system is, like you said, it's, it's my system, but I think that it's a system that everybody can adopt and it can be their secret system, you know, to way their body works. So how do you kind of go about like, what's the importance of hydration what's the importance of like what are the ways that you recover and then what are the things that you do to stay fueled well real quick though to, to your point what you were just saying that that i think is really critical for everybody to kind of understand the science that that we're talking about now from recovery and hydration this science is really new you know 15 years ago we, you know, they were still the FDA, the food pyramid was still saying, eat 80% of your calories from bread. You know, yeah. I mean, it was totally, you know, uh, eggs, bacon was still evil, you know, I mean, so all of the revelations of, uh, of a good diet and, uh, especially when it comes to recovery is, is relatively a new science. So even though you were, you were cutting edge back then, even though it, it, when you look back, you think, oh my gosh, that was such a, that was an amateur move at the time. It was a pro move, man. You were, you were cutting edge. Oh, but, for sure. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's evolved so much. I mean, our understanding of human nutrition and performance, uh, nobody was really even looking at this stuff 10 or 15 years ago or well, 15 years ago for sure. Yeah. And it's still not even a one uh, size fits all. And that's, I guess, so like your question of like, how do we figure out the best way to fuel ourselves for for such a long day, 
I mean, most of it is just trial and error. And, and that's really, and I know people don't like to hear that, but that's kind of the culture we live in now is that people want the answer, the quick pill, the magic potion that is all they need. But everyone's needs are a bit different. You know, some people are great fat burners. Some people really know their body has just knows how to handle carbs really well. So, you know, the right timing and dosage of carbohydrates throughout the day is the right way to go for them. Some people are super heavy salt sweaters. Some people aren't as heavy salt sweaters. So something higher in sodium, like salt tablets and such, is going to be much more imperative for some not, than others. Um, it's, it's a really, it's a, it can be kind of a delicate uh, balance between like feeling optimal and then feeling like shit. And that's one of the, like the whole points to this. And, you know, what ends up in my pack is different than what ends up in Chris's pack and so on and so forth. But what ends up there is really kind of figured out during the training hikes, the long days of just, you know, whether you're putting in five miles or 20 miles and kind of getting, getting ready for this big thing. Um, and it, I think that's, that's kind of the vehicle that I think anybody uh, can benefit from, whether you're going to go do something like this or if you're just going for like a five-day backpacking hunt or, or you just want to have a better understanding of how your body's functioning is kind of working through this. And it's a process. It's, it's not like a, a simple answer. Um, I mean, so like for me, just, just to give you like a little example, uh, I always, always struggle at between 7,800 feet and 8,000 feet elevation. Like that's where elevation altitude sickness hits me. And it always hits me with like these hypoxic cramps. I just get these vicious cramps in my hamstring. Um, I used to think for sure, well, it's just altitude sickness, you know, like if I, if I take altitude advantage, uh, you know, diligently and I, 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 you know, I do what I can to kind of make sure I acclimate, then that's really the only obstacle to overcome, which wasn't true. I mean, I, 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 for like three years in a row, I got to literally the same switchback on the climb on the North Rim. And that was always like the hardest part for me because my legs felt like they were, they weighed uh, a ton and I was getting cramps in my calves, my, my growing, my hamstrings, every step was hard. And then the, the next year, I think it was, it was either you, Chris, or somebody that kind of told me their routine of taking salt tablets. Um, and I didn't realize how much salt I was losing in my sweat. And, you know, you, you've probably, everyone's related to it. You know, so you see that guy that has just that wicked salt ring on his hat or in his shirt when they, they get done working out. Mine looked kind of like that. And so I started taking salt tablets through a routine throughout the day. And I've been doing that ever since. And I'm far better at pushing through that like cramp phase, that like totally depleted cramping phase. Um, and there's, so there's just little, and then, you know, Dave Bond, I don't think Dave Bond's ever felt altitude sickness in a day in his life. No, because we climb, we climb the North Rim, and right about the time I start to slow down, he speeds up. <laughs> so it's just it's just that kind of that's really kind of the whole that's where the secret sauce is to this thing and why everyone does it is because it's like this uh, formula that you're just trying to figure out, but it's also pretty emblematic of life of like now you kind of know how your body responds to things. Are you good at being fat adapted? Uh, do you need to work on that? Um, what kind of carbs are really going to give you the best energy? Like when you're completely down and out, sometimes there's nothing better than a Snickers bar, you know? Uh, other times, like, you know, you need to focus more on protein throughout the day. 
uh, I think that's that's kind of the I guess like one thing. Like when you were asking earlier, what's something you pay attention to um, when you're figuring out what food to bring um, is your sources of macronutrients. You know, I think most people, uh, most people, and I and I don't mean to say most people that are like the listeners here because I think hunters are generally far more keyed in to this type of stuff than the general population in America, but a lot of people don't really understand the difference between a carbohydrate, a fat, and a protein from a caloric value standpoint and how your body utilizes it. Um, There are moments in which your body absolutely needs carbs and quick burning fast carbs to get you away from that bonk phase and replenishing glycogen that's, you know, that's super valuable. You can, you know, kind of stave that off with really I think making sure that you're taking in ample amounts of protein and fats throughout the day, but you're not going to really reap the rewards of those nutrients for, you're not going to feel that right away. Uh, but it's, it's, they are still important. Um, so yeah, there's, there's just a lot of these little like nuances that you kind of figure out through training, um, trial and error. And it, that's, that's just kind of life is, is just figuring out what works for you. Yeah. And I think, you know, how this translates to hunting, you know, how, because like I said, most of the guys that do this or many of them, especially the guys that started Dave Martin's a good friend of ours. He's the one that really kind of got the start and he started it doing it because he realized that, you know, he would get close to hunting season and he was out of shape. And down here in Arizona, it's tough because once you get to hunt close to hunting season, we're talking, it's 105 degrees outside, 110, 115 really bad time to try to say okay i'm gonna get in shape now you know because it's tough but when it how it translates in my opinion the most or the best is figuring out during your training process of pushing yourself really hard and then uh the whole phrase you know listen to your body figuring out okay i i went so i did 14 miles yesterday i did a 14 mile hike uh and i my, my nutrition was this. My hydration was this. How do I feel today? Do I feel good? Not do I feel good. All right, let's go do it again, you know, because that's what we do when we go hunting. Yeah. You freaking kick your butt, you know, all day long. You get back to camp sometimes at midnight. You get up at 530 the next morning. You suck down some coffee and you do it again. And that's the one thing that no athletic event in the world mimics. Nobody ever does this stuff day after day after day. And when we're, we're hunting, that's exactly what we need to do. We've got a seven-day season. Unless you're going to take a day off every other day, which, you know, is not going to happen, you better learn how your body recovers and, and what nutrition you need for recovery. Um, and that's really what I've been dialing to. And Nate Simmons, the, the Western hunter, we, we kind of geek out on this stuff now because Nate's really gotten into it. He's, he's really realized how important – it is in September when that's because he just loves he loves to high country deer hunt and hunt elk when they're bugling. Well, it all happens from the third week in August till the end of September for the most part, or the first week in October. And if he wants to maximize that eight weeks of his life every year, he's got to recover faster, you know, so that you can do it day in and day out. And then, and that's the stuff we're learning in the canyon. What is it that you need to do to be able to get out of bed the next morning and feel good? Uh, you know, for me, like our Wilderness Athlete, we have a product uh, called Brute Strength, which is a protein. It's a protein supplement with plus creatine. When I really started using that, it was like, holy crap. I mean, that you, I can go do a brutal workout one day and the next day, I'm good. Now, you know, after five days, you need to take a day off. It's just from a training standpoint, that makes sense. You know, give your body that break. Uh, 
but uh, but the, the, again, the most important thing that, that like Nate and I have learned the last three years is that needs to continue all the way through hunting season. Those habits that we developed that, that kept us in, in good shape, you know, in the, in, through spring and in the summer and with active recovery, we need to continue that through hunting season because that's really, that's the final, that's the final exam to everything we're doing is how do, how's it work in hunting season? Yeah. So I think that uh, that's the one thing that I've kind of always prided myself on is that recovery portion that I think kind of gets skipped over so much, like you say, because, um, I know I've, I've probably talked about this or whatever in the past, but uh, when I started guiding, it was like I, I would guide. And then if I had a day off, I would be hunting. One one season for me, I would go 120 consecutive days. And that's oh. like day in, day out. Most weeks I was packing a minimum of two elk and two deer a week. Uh, and that's like, I consider a pack out. It's gotta be over a mile, <laughs> you know, like yeah, it's gotta yeah. be a real pack out. And that's, that's a lot. You know, there's times where, you know, as the, you know, outfitter or whatever, and we, areas we don't use horses. And it's like, I think the the most I've done is probably, I think it was eight elk and five deer in a week. And that's just like, <laughs> it's insane, you know, and the ability to, and those are long days. That's like very little, five hours of sleep, getting up, going back the next day. And my recovery, uh, being able to recover fast, I think is, uh, some of it's genetic and some of it's just practice, right? You're, there's just a, a being in shape and doing it kind of thing. But there's this huge other portion where I, I have a kind of routines of I know what works for my body. I know what I need to recover. And so I think maybe a good thing to do is just kind of like I'll outline and maybe we can kind of play off of each other because I'm going to outline the things that I think are important for both recovery and in the field and a, a little bit of maybe my routine. And then I want you guys to chime in as well because, uh, you know, I, I like talking to guys like you because you're behind the curtain. You see the things that I don't. You know a lot more about this stuff. I'm more of a, a user and like I guess a, an extreme user, right? <laughs> like um, <laughs> I use it and we've all got our systems. And mine, I think when it comes to recovery – one of the things that's really helps benefit me is that replenishment factor of electrolytes, of vitamins. Um, I'm not necessarily a salt sweater. I don't, I rarely, I mean, it sounds weird, but like, I don't really sweat a lot. Um, I'm always cold actually. Like, you know, I know it's like uh, my dad's the opposite. Like he's always sweating. I'm always like cold. Uh, but you know, for me, it's, uh, I think there's certain vitamins that I know my body reacts to really well, potassium being one of them, um, you know, having some kind of electrolyte. So at the end of the day, I'm always um, refueling, rehydrating with, you know, obviously hydrate and recover is what I use, some kind of electrolyte, uh, getting in a lot of water. And then I start to move to, you know, the food portion uh, on a backcountry hunt. It's you've got what you've got. Um, you've got mountain house, you've got whatever my body particularly react reacts really well to sugar. <laughs> and I don't know, like <laughs> I've, I, cause I, I've tried to quit it and I am not good without it. Right. And I realized yeah. for me personally, I like, I need those sugars. I need some kind of sugar, whether it's fruit sugar, whether it's like you say, a Snickers bar, some kind of like, I actually throw in that sugar at the end of the day as well to help my recovery. And then the big thing is for me, uh, a good night's sleep and I'm a bad sleeper. So I actually take, take some kind of, I guess you could call it like a sleep aid or some, you know, sleepy time, whatever it is from teas to, um, you know, some kind of whatever it is. Um, it's a little bit different every trip, but for the most part, 
Um, I, I like the nighttime, you know, I just take a nighttime pill and go to sleep. Not, you know, obviously like good stuff. Uh, and then, <laughs> no, and then the other thing yeah, is, no narcotics. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then the other thing for me is like in the mornings, um, I start with daily vitamins, uh, the, the fish oils, the, and then the probiotic as well. Um, because you're eating a lot of garbage on the mountain in the most part, like no matter how good it is, it's garbage. Um, yeah. And, and so like being able to really like keep my gut health and utilize the foods that I'm eating. And then when it comes to in the field, um, I first choose foods on what I like to eat. Cause I, if you don't like it, you aren't going to take it. It doesn't matter. Right. And well, then mm. things that I have, uh, a mixture of things that are just stuff that I like and things that are really good for me. And I mix those in together. Um, and things that I, I've used, you know, I, I swap it up a lot, try a lot of different things. Um, I'm the type of person that likes, needs a lot of carbs. Um, so the, those are the kind of like carb heavy snacks is good for me. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, I've, and then I balance it with proteins and other things as well. And that's the way that I think about what I need to recover the way that I, my process that seems to work. And then the other really important factor is hydration. And, um, Oh, the other thing that I really need caffeine. <laughs> That's yeah. it, it's a, amen. You, I mean, like and right now, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm not a great sleeper. I don't get a lot of sleep. I just had a fresh baby in order to do this. I'm an energy and focus aficionado. Uh, because like, I need it. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. that's my, yeah. that's one thing that I have to have, um, to keep going, to kind of keep sharp and, and focused. And that's like my, that's my setup. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I know you guys probably have your things that work for you and, uh, you know, every, like, like we said, everybody's a little different, but I think there's those basic tenets of you need food. You need, uh, mm-hmm. something that your body reacts to really well. And you definitely need um, that, you know, uh, vitamins and electrolytes. You know, the, you got to replace yeah. the things that are getting burnt out. That, that's a guarantee no matter what. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. I, I think that that's like my take on it. Yeah, I, I think, well, you pretty much hit everything on the head. I think I would put, for me personally, where I, I tend to put a little more emphasis well, I guess first of all, like for this like Grand Canyon thing, again, that's like a that's like a incubator day for really the the greater thing, which is which is hunting and then just life, right? So like you're just trying to learn things that you can translate into what's going to benefit you for the the way you spend the rest of your life. Um, I try to emphasize uh, protein pretty heavily. I just have learned over the over the, the years that like I just function a hell of a lot better um, with a higher consumption of protein. And it's not even like I didn't realize, it's not like I feel like crap and I'm like, oh, I don't have enough protein. I just, when I, when I feel like my strongest and I feel like I have the most lasting energy, uh, like physical energy is when I'm, when I'm eating a lot of freaking protein. So when I'm, you know, getting ready for like a hunt, I'm looking to, at how much energy I'm packing, how much protein I'm packing in every day. Like I tend to pack my little bag, uh, like what's going in my backpack for like, this is a day. Um, cause I'm not coming back until tonight. So, you know, I just want to make sure I have a lot of protein packed. Um, whether I'm getting that from, you know, a bar, uh, a shake I can make out there, uh, meat snacks, like, you know, jerky, uh, some nuts, things like that. 
just you know a healthy amount of protein is something I think that your your muscles are always going to respond really well to and continue functioning properly. Um, something you said that I think is pretty often overlooked is like the micronutrient needs. Um, you know, like let's just say throughout your entire year, except for like the week or so that the average Joe spends on the mountain hunting, you know, you're on your, your, your diet's great. You're working out really well, but you're, you're eating well and you're keeping your supplements in, in check and all that, you know, you, you're, you're doing really well, but then you go on the mountain and you're eating a bunch of really highly processed foods, uh, freeze dried things where a lot of the micronutrient mineral value is kind of like sucked out of them. Um, where you, like you said, like this is the testing week where like you need the most out of your body and yet you're probably leaving a lot of gaps in your nutrition. I think making sure you can stay on point of like just those mineral and vitamin needs, vitamin A's and B's and C's, like all of those things that help like so many bodily functions. Like one of my like most key electrolytes that I focus on, I mean, obviously everyone knows sodium, potassium, they're huge, but magnesium. Uh, the amount of uh, muscular um, responsibility that that has and internal organ function that magnesium leads to. Like if you look up the um, current rate of magnesium magnesium deficiencies in, in America today, it's pretty staggering. Uh, and it's not because like people just stopped drinking magnesium, but it's because it's being pretty much robbed from our natural food sources that we're seeing these days because of, you know, just the health of our soil these days and the consumption of highly processed foods. So I, I try to make sure magnesium's like ever present. And it that's not something you're going to like all of a sudden feel like caffeine, um, but you're just going to notice that you just feel great. You just feel good. You know, you feel the way you want to feel when you're, you know, you're asking the most out of your body. So yeah, I guess, uh, you know, in a nutshell, for me, protein, like a, high, like a lot of protein uh, is really important. Uh, making sure I'm getting magnesium, um, you know, electrolytes all around. Like, I mean, you'd be surprised how much your body can accomplish with uh, a lot of hydration and little other like calorie input. Um, you got a lot of fat to burn. Most of us have a ton of fat to burn and we've got a lot of like perseverance in our bodies that if you just give it the right hydration needs, what it'll do for you. Um, so those are uh, kind of my main focuses. Yeah. It, it get back to that point about everybody's body being completely different. Uh, two points. Let me back up just a bit to kind of reinforce what Kevin said. I'm I'm a big gardener. Um, my degree is actually in agriculture, believe it or not. It was a soils. I was a, it was soils major in college, and you know and now I'm here. You know, I've been basically hunting for thirty years for a living. But <laughs> the one thing I've I so but I I'm a really big gardener. I've got lots of garden boxes in my backyard, and I. Every single plant gets my attention. You know, I mean, I we're paying it. I'm a paying attention to every single carrot in that backyard. But I guarantee you, I can. And my carrots are really good, but like a pepper, like you go I, when I'm done, like trying to grow bell peppers, they're like you know three inches in diameter, and and they take six months to grow. Meanwhile, you go to the grocery store, and there's these beautiful, huge, humongous, gorgeous red and yellow and green peppers. Well, they got that way because they pushed them hard. You know, they pushed them with hydroponics. And the one thing that is is absolutely a given is when you grow a plant in two months, it can absorb a certain amount of nutrients. If it takes six months to grow that same exact plant, 
that same exact fruit or vegetable that comes off of it, it's literally going to have one-third the nutrient value. So like Kevin was talking about our you know, soil de- nutrient-depleted soils, the vegetables we're buying at the grocery store right now are probably about 20 to 30% have about a 20 to 30% of the nutritive value they had 30, 20, 30, and 40 years ago when the FDA came up with all these guidelines for how much fruit and vegetables you should eat. So it's literally almost impossible to get the nutritive value from from grocery store bought fruits and vegetables today uh, to meet the, the requirements of your body. So those the, the importance of a, a good uh, multivitamin, you know, like our you know wilderness athlete, you know, yeah, we're pretty proud of our stuff, but it's because it's really really good. Uh, but like you know, a good multivitamin is just like mandatory. You've got to have it because you can't eat enough. You know, your 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 stomach won't hold enough to to get the vitamins and minerals you need from it. But uh, on to you know hunting and and the individual needs. Like so, Remy, you're you're a carb burner. You got you love your carbs, and you know Kevin's figured out that he's a protein guy. Uh, I'm on the other hand, I'm more of a fat burner, you know, and one thing I've, I've definitely seen talking to people over the years, if you've ever been overweight, if you've been 30 pounds overweight, you're probably not a carb burner. You're one of those guys that you've ate, you know, you drank a little, you know, drank your beer and had your ice cream and ate your candy bars. And guess what? You got fat doing it. And that was me. I mean, 15 years ago, I was 50 pounds heavier than I am now. And at the time, I was thinking I was eating a pretty healthy diet. You know, I was eating pasta, and you know, back then, you know, pasta that was that was good for you, right? Um, you know, I was I was staying away from eggs, staying away from bacon, staying away from you know, uh, fatty red meats and pork. Uh, and then, you know, of course, over you know the years, we've learned that that's not evil, but we're all a little bit different. So, like even in the canyon, I'm the guy that's packing macadamia nuts, bacon. Um, you know, they're, it's a product called a fat bomb. Out of, out of, it's, they're out of Flagstaff. They're making macadamia nut uh, powder, uh, you know, packets. Uh, those Justin almond packets. I'm the guy that's eating a, a, a lot of fat, and which is it's good, and it's bad, I and mean, it's bad in that you can't break down a fat near as fast as you can a carbohydrate. So you have to make sure you stay. You know, you're you're constantly kind of ingesting a little bit of fat because every fat. Every gram of fat has nine calories versus a carbohydrate has four calories per gram. Um, and your body breaks it down about five times slower than a carbohydrate. So you you got to stay ahead. I, I have to really make sure I stay ahead of, of the calorie depletion because I can't just eat a Snickers bar and be good. If I eat a Snickers bar, I will freaking crash. You know, about 30 minutes later, I'm going to crash and be a little bit nauseated and, and you know, and dizzy. And then, and then you know, life sucks when you're, when you, when you have to keep moving and that, that calorie depleted or you, or their carbohydrates are, have your insulin spiking and, uh, and you can't, you, your brain just is like just begging for some energy. So, Again, like fill in the gaps w- with your nutrition to start with, and then realizing, hey, you know, this is this is what my body likes, and the three of us are a perfect example of every three type, and none of us are a hundred percent of any one of those. We're a little bit blend of all of those. And that's the beauty of what we do when we do the Grand Canyon, <clears throat> is the training is where the proving grounds for that, and of course, 
actually the, the canyon is a proving ground. That's why I say after nine years, I feel like this year I might have it dialed in, you know, but it's been a decade to figure that out. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is the thing, you know, people ask, oh, what should I take? And this, that, and the other thing. And there, there are the basic things that you got to take. Um, and like you, we mentioned, there's the proteins, the carbohydrates, the fats, uh, there's the electrolytes and the vitamins with a base of that. Then you just start to tweak it to what works best for your body. Three of us here, three different types, people that have tested themselves and go, okay, now, if you don't know, well, what type am I do a good balance of it? You know, you really can't go wrong with balancing things out. Um, but also, you know, pay attention to it when you, if you're on a trip and you're really feeling like, man, I should be doing better. I'm really down. I'm really whatever. Figure out what works when you hit those. Like, like you said, when you start to feel that fatigue set in, what are the things that are pay attention to it, make note of it. That's, uh, one thing that as, as I, I talk about a lot, uh, adjusting your kit, Every time I go on a trip, I try to adjust and I, I try new snacks and I try new things and I bring different stuff um, to figure out what works. You know, I, I, there is not a bar out there or a snack out there that I haven't tried and there's not one that I haven't <laughs> gotten sick of because when I find something I like, I just use and abuse it and then I can't take another bite of it by the time the right. season ends. And then I go, I move on to the, you know, but there's certain things that I o- always have as well. Um and I think that that's, that's kind of the key takeaway is you really have to be a little bit in tune to what works for you, but also, you know, pay a little bit of attention as every trip. And if it's, if you're new to it, I think that's the hardest part. You know, I remember when I first started backpacking, um, my first backpack trip, backpack hunting for me, I don't even think backpack hunting, like nobody ever talked about it. Right. My grandma was a backpacker. She would, uh, they would backpack in Yosemite and, uh, do desolation wilderness and all this stuff. And so I grew up backpacking with my grandma. And then one day I started to be like, man, I should just do this for hunting. Like I thought I invented <laughs> backpack hunting because I didn't know anybody that did it. Right. I was like, me and my dad were like, yeah, this is just how we do it. Um, let's just do the same thing we do backpacking and go hunting. It was, it was great. Uh, and now I mean, it's talked about all the time, right? It wasn't obviously new, but, uh, there just wasn't a lot of information about it. And, you know, the things that we'd bring then are completely different than what I bring now. If we've, we've all had a lot of experience fine tuning what works for us. Uh, but I think like for people kind of just getting into it, don't be scared about it. Um, just, you know, I think that it's really important in your day to day kind of training and the other things that you're doing to kind of really pay attention to, Hey, what works for me when I do a big workout, when I go on a hike, when I do this, what, what are the things that I feel like I need? What are the things that I crave? And that's another mm-hmm. big indicator of, man, I would be out there. This is how I know that I was like certain things. I, I actually was like, I'm not going to have for one hunting season was guiding in New Zealand. And I, I just decided I'm going to stop t- eating sugar or processed sugar. So I'd have honey and that was about it. And I, dude, I ran out of energy. I was tired all the time. I was cranky. I was like, and I went about a month without that. And then I started like putting it back in. I just, it was actually, I fell off the wagon on, it was like Easter. A friend swung by, <laughs> gave me an Easter candy. And I had, I was like, nah, I'm not eating that garbage and took one bite. And I was like, oh my God, and it just fell off the wagon. Yeah. <laughs> but then I started introducing things that have those sugars and whatever, because it's really hard to take fruit <laughs> on a, on a right, yeah. whatever. Um, and I realized like, this, this is just something it works for me. And the other thing is like the, you know, more carbohydrate. I was like, you know, I was replacing 
once I found out the sugar thing, I started replacing even more carbohydrates and, and easier to digest carbohydrates and faster, uh, carbohydrates. And then I started doing better and better and better. And so I, I learn, you learn a lot of these things when you kind of hit that max and messing around with it a little bit. But the other thing is just paying attention to your body and the things that work really well for you. Yeah, I I think the what it, what the takeaway is for for people listening, or for me as a whole, if I'm if I'm talking to anybody like at a trade show, is <clears throat> like the, we you hear that phrase all the time. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Well, like being a hunter is a lifestyle. Uh, you can go hunting, or you can say I'm going to be a hunter. And if you're going to figure out like the really the right way to treat your body and feel yourself and do the best you can do, that doesn't just start like during the, during opening day and the closing day, you know, that, that's the guy who's just going to go out and want to walk around and, you know, enjoy the woods. And that's fine. Some guys have a ton of success doing that. Um, I think like what we're talking about, keying in on this type of stuff, figuring out really what works for you. That's a 365 day a year process. Um, it just so happens that it just makes you a better, uh, person, healthier person. You're, you're much more in touch with like healthier things. And it just begins this cascading effect of healthier life habits of better sleep, uh, better inputs to your body, get better outputs. So I think it's, it's really about adopting a lifestyle of figuring out what is works for you. And you got to realize you're not going to figure that out on any forum. Uh, you're going to get clues all over the internet. There's clues and tips and advice that are all like little nuggets and breadcrumbs to like figuring out what works for you. But you got to be willing to like invest your, your, your whole energy and time and attention into figuring that out in order to really, uh, you know, get there where you want to be, uh, which is ultimately like experiencing the outdoors and these hunts to like your fullest ability. Um, that's, that, that, that's like, that starts at day one. That starts now, not, you know, when you realize which tag you drew. Um, we talk every day to people on the phone who are like, oh man, I just drew a sheep tag or an elk tag and I want to lose 15 pounds. And we begin to ask them the way they've been living and eating for the you know previous six months or whatever. And you know, it's astonishing how many people go through that roller coaster, not just with hunting season, but in life. You know, you just you lose weight to get ready for hunting season and you hunt as hard as you can, and then you put the pack and gear away and then you gain it all back and you live this pretty sedentary, checked out life where you're not really paying attention to the outcomes of what you put in your body. Um, that's, that's what we're trying to kind of as a company is, uh, you know, advocate against is just adopting a healthier lifestyle, which is much less expensive in the grand scheme of things uh, when you, you know, kind of invest your time into that, that whole process. Yeah, and that for sure. I think that that's one thing, uh, you know, the listeners of this podcast are different than other because it's I think that they've kind of clicked into the fact that yeah the people that are continually successful choose a certain yeah. lifestyle choose certain they do certain things that allow them to use certain tactics that allow them to find the success year in and year out and I think that as a whole like the, the, these listeners of this podcast are very tuned into that thing and they, they kind Absolutely. of under, start to understand yeah. it. And that is the best place to be because if you're listening to the podcast every week, you, you really pick up that this is something that's very important to me personally because it's where I attribute a lot of the success that I have over the years. Um, and, you know, I had to kind of, you, you just can't 
put enough emphasis on the fact that you got to kind of take hold of things yourself and you have to put in some work and the work that you put in outside of the actual hunting season really translates into the work that, uh, the, the success that comes out or at least your enjoyment of what happens, you know, it's like, there's a lot of people, it doesn't matter what age you're starting at, where you're starting at, you can always be better than you are right now, myself included, you know, like I've gone through two surgeries, a couple of, you know, like you, you, life happens, things happen, but you can always be better than where you are right now, you know, and I, I continually strive to do those things and, and tweak my setup and, and get it, get the things done that I need to get done. So when the season comes, I'm completely ready in every aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. For sure, that it had back to the rim to rim thing. It, it, with the beauty of that, and I think it, it, I would encourage everybody to to try to find that in the the Marine Corps. They call it the crucible. It's that it, when you go to Marine Corps boot camp, it's thirteen weeks, and the last thing you do is this three day event. That is all of your training leads up to that three day event. You know, sometimes in a hunting world, that might be a hunt. But if you can do that prior, that's what I look at the Grand Canyon. It's like a crucible event. You know, you've, you're training, you're working your butt off, and then boom, you go do something that you thought might be impossible uh, or is going to test you to your very limits. It just, it's a precursor to where you're at and how are you ready for hunting season. So if you, if you, anybody out there, if you can find that one event, what are, you know, if it was like back in the day when we had trained to hunt, you know, things like that, these events that you could do something, you know, and again, our, our rim to rim is a very personal event. It's not, there's no group. It's not a group effort. If you can find that one event that you, that, that thing you can do that will challenge you, that will keep you accountable, uh, in the off season now up to hunting season, it just kind of fills in the blanks for the rest of the year because honey seasons for most even even for us honey season is mostly about an eight to 12 week thing out of a 52 week year so you know filling in the gaps with uh with crucible events like the rim to rim to rim uh will help you get ready for hunting season more than you could possibly imagine it helps if if that crucible thing takes you to the pain cave though yeah like it's got to take you to that dark place <laughs> you know and like you know it if you know it if it's if if it's just something that you're like oh i i kind of want to do that again no it's got to be one of those things where you're not ready to do it again your mind's not even ready to consider it for another like two three months that like it's that tight yeah. too fun you yeah. know it's uh it's something that really has got to you know stretch your limits because that's that's where you figure out you know who you are and what you're capable of well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you guys jumping on with me. I think that this is really important stuff to talk about, especially in the hunting space. And I think it's like, you know, I, I use this podcast to give out all my secrets. Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. But I think this is one of the things that, you know, it's something that I really believe in. It's something that I, you know, really like to pay attention to. It's hard to kind of put into words sometimes, but I think that, you know, talking it out with you guys, uh, we can really kind of start to uncover the things that, you know, hunters can really look at to make themselves better on and off the mountain. So I really appreciate you guys talking with me. Uh, it's been a lot of fun and looking forward to this upcoming hunting season. Absolutely. Thanks Thank for you, having me. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I think that, you know, when we talk about nutrition, understanding your body, these are all things that 
are huge factors, whether you are day hunting, backcountry hunting, especially, whatever it is, when you enter the mountains, you know, there's not a lot of hitting that easy button, but there is ways to really prepare for it. So I think that this is a really good conversation to have, especially this time of year. You know, these are things that you want to think about ahead of time where you can say, I've got a little bit of time to prepare for this. I've got a little bit of time to figure out what works for my body. I got a little bit of time to plan on the packing and the food and, and whatever else I might need to fuel myself through the hunt so I don't crash midway through. There's nothing worse than getting uh, somewhere in a good spot and just not, or spotting something and just not having that energy, even though everything else is set to go. You've got the physical, mental capability. Your body just says, no, I wasn't fueled right to continue to push on. So I think that is a really good conversation to have. You know, I also want to mention as well, Wilderness Athletes been one of these companies. I, I recommend their products for the fact that it's something that I've used for a very long time and it's worked for me really well over the years. So it's like I might as well pass that information on. So I've set up a Live Wild package with them. If you guys are interested in some of like getting started with some like here's some things that I use on the mountain that I've been using for I mean, years, like as, as long as I can remember, as long as the company has been around, uh, these are a lot of the things that I've been using and they've, they've been tweaked and added in the, over the years. And, and I think that's really been fine tuning in some ways, my secret weapon on the mountain. So if you guys are interested in that, we've got a package put together. You can go to their website. Uh, we've got a link to a landing page that has my live wild package. And then you can always use code live wild. You'll get a discount on a lot of the stuff in there as well. So that's just a little thank you to the listeners. I mean, the guys that are listening to this podcast, I know you guys are the ones that really want the advantage and the edge. So I'm really, it, I'm really appreciative of the companies that come on and say, Hey, let's help these guys out. So I think that that's incredible of them to do for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, if there's something you guys have questions about or want to know, we've got our live calling Q and A's, but you can always also reach out via social media. I try to get to as many as possible. And thank you guys so much. If you love and enjoy the podcast, feel free to subscribe. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you got it. And then drop a comment, drop a rating. Thank you guys so much for listening in this week. As a reminder, uh, we got some new video. We launched a Black Buck video. One of the comments that I've been getting on, this is the thing, I, I really want to make stuff that everybody wants. Like, I'm, what, what are you guys looking for? One of the requests is longer form videos. So we're working on longer form videos, more of the solo hunter length videos. I got some solo videos coming out real soon, some other really great stuff. So if you aren't, uh, don't subscribe to my YouTube channel, Remy Warren YouTube channel, and then any of the products or things that we use, you can always find at our website, remywarren.com. Thank you guys so much until next week. Fuel the fire. I like that. That's a good, that's a good close. Catch you guys next week.